0: I just want us all to have an open heart this morning. In Galatians 2.21, it says this, So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. If we could keep the law, then Jesus would have never had to come. That's what he's saying. If we could become righteous because of the law... Jesus would never have to have come. But obviously, we cannot become righteous or be justified by keeping the law. Woo! This is good news, by the way. I know that uh, there's some people who have to work on Sunday. When I worked at FedEx, there were some Sundays I worked on it. I never felt bad because I had to work on Sunday. I didn't. Matter of fact, now as a pastor, you know, I've had to go to the ER to visit someone or pray for someone on a Sunday because they're in the ER. I do know this if there were not people working in the ER, there would be thousands of people dying every Sunday. Are you thankful that people work on Sunday at the ER? I am. People have a heart attack, you know. You dial nine one one. I'm sorry, call back tomorrow morning. <laughs> that would be really sad. That's the mercy of God. That's the mercy of God. But I know Tiffany. God honored what she, uh, her convictions. God honored that, and I honored that. And just like Paul said in Romans that there is somebody who has a special day or conviction, then stick to that. And I believe that. I have some convictions that I don't preach from the pulpit because it's between me and God. You can't find it in Romans or any book of the Bible. It's just something that I've committed and said, God, I'm going to do this just because. It's just a personal conviction. It's just a personal conviction. So uh, I'm thankful That uh, people have personal convictions. I've done this with my kids, you know, when they start working. I say this, you know, you should tell your boss you would like Sundays off. And uh, if they say, well, you can't have every Sunday off, you said, fine. But, you know, if I can, I would like to have every Sunday off. And I said, this is what you do. You work better than anybody in that job to where you can get your boss's attention that you are a great worker, which in today's society isn't very difficult to do. But I digress. But anyway, uh, if you just show up for work, most of the time you're better than 80% of the people. But anyway, <laughs> I just said you work hard and your boss will think your value. When you become valuable to your boss, then he or she will start thinking about what you want, and then the most important thing is you pray and believe God to get off on Sundays. So you believe God, you ask your boss, but at the same time, you know, you say, hey, can I have two Sundays off a month? You go to him after you work there three or four months, and you say, I'd like to, would it be all right to have two Sundays? And I, I believe that God just will honor that. I believe God would honor that. I mean, there's a lot of people who will go to church today, and right after church, they'll go to a restaurant to eat. You didn't catch that, but anyway, uh, my point is this: there's a lot of people who who think that. You know, I I do remember this. You know, I was raised up in church. You know, and I was thankful (laughs) that my mom said you're not going to work on Sunday, so I never had to cut the grass on Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. So I was glad my mom believed that. But uh, we were raised up that you shouldn't work on Sunday. You know, back in the day, uh, all of the liquor stores were closed on Sunday. The major shops were closed on Sunday. And, uh, but you shouldn't work on Sunday. And it got to the point that if you did, that it was real close to a sin. Nobody said that, but everybody acted like that. And so today, I want to clarify some things. Let me just say this, you know, concerning the law. Have you ever thought of this? After Adam's sin, it was 2,500 years before the law came into existence. 2,500 years, there was no law. It was around 1,400, 25, between 1,400 B.C., before Christ, that Moses introduced the law. But, but for 2,500 years, there was no law. Now, if the law is the most important thing, after Adam's sin, why didn't God say, okay, we need to have a meeting? Get a tablet and start writing these laws down. Just getting you to think this morning. I'm just getting you to think this morning. Keeping the Sabbath, keeping the Ten Commandments was not in existence for 2,500 years. Hmm. don't get me wrong I am all for putting the Ten Commandments or anything that will remind you of God in any office building I'm for that I'm I'm not saying we should take all the Ten Commandments no, anything that reminds you about the Lord Jesus Christ about God and His goodness let it rip but having said that If the law was the most important thing, then why didn't God say something to to Adam right after he sinned? How about Noah? How about Noah? Abraham, the father of our faith, never went to church on Sunday. Didn't know anything about the Sabbath. Should we play the Jeopardy music? Just to get you to think. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh, 2,500 years, 2,500 years. I believe, I don't want to get into, there's many reasons why the law came. First of all, the sin was escalating ever since from Adam. The sin started escalating for 2,500 years. It was going off the charts, so people were killing people, and they thought nothing wrong about that. So I know that's why part of the law was introduced. But also, I really don't want to get into it, but here we go. When God came down on the mountain, he told Moses, he says, get the people ready. I'm going to see them face-to-face tomorrow. We're going to have a come-to-Jesus meeting tomorrow. So tell them to get prepared. Fire came down on the mountain, and what happened the next day? Moses went toward the mountain. Everybody else ran from the mountain, scared out of their wits. And what did they tell Moses? We don't want to hear from God. We want you to talk to God for us, and you get instructions. Basically this, one even theologian said this, you get the rules and regulations and everything he wants us to do, and let us know what they are, because we don't want to hear from God. Thus, the Ten Commandments... And all of the laws started from that day forward. This was after they came out of Egypt, called the Great Exodus, and God gave them the law, but it's what they wanted. Just a thought. Colossians 2.16. I know it's a holiday, but you are especially quiet today. So let no one judge you. I said, let no one judge you. If there has been a time in the history of mankind, there is more judging going on on this planet than there ever has been. I mean, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's the vaccine, whether it's this. I mean, people are judge you. I mean, good night. There's a lot of judging going on. So let no one judge you. In food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. The substance is Jesus. Listen to what it says in the NLT. It says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. So we're eating ice cream today. If that offends you. You didn't hear my message. <laughs> so don't let anyone condemn you. I'm not condemned every time I eat ice cream, just so you know I'm not. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or a new moon, ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that Reality. So what is he saying? He's saying this, that Jesus is your Sabbath. He's our Sabbath. So I, back then, God wanted to, to take time out for them because they were such heathens. He said, listen, take time out and just think about the things of God one day a week. But what was it foreshadowing? It was foreshadowing of something coming to happen in the future, which is Jesus. And now we don't have Jesus just on Sunday morning. We have him on Monday morning. We have him Tuesday. We have him Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Why? Because the Sabbath has been introduced and placed on the inside of you and me. I don't have to wait till Sunday to talk to my Father. I don't have to wait till Sunday to get instructions from God, to get peace from God, to get anything from God, because He dwells inside of me seven days a week. Jesus is my Sabbath. Woo! That's good news. That's good news. A lot of the teaching comes from God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, He... Rested. I hope you know that he rested not because he was tired. Whew, man, Adam took it out from me. The animals weren't that big, but man, when I created woman, that took a lot from me now. (laughs) Adam wasn't nothing. He was just dirt, man. I mean, man, it wasn't nothing, but woman, now that took some doing. That's why women are so much more beautiful than men. But anyway, we're just men from dirt. But anyway, we won't go there. But Jesus or God was not tired when he created everything, and that's why he rested. That word rested if you studied out in the Hebrew, it means everything is complete and everything that Adam and Eve will ever need is a done deal. Do you know God didn't create any more trees after that? He didn't create any more animals after that. Everything was complete. Everything was finished. And everything that mankind... Listen to this. Everything that mankind would ever need is on this planet or in this planet. Everything. That's why God rested. We study the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Specifically, it says this. For he... Who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, that was an example of what God wanted for his children. What's that? Rest. Jesus said that you need to labor to get into rest. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? You got to work to get into rest. Why do we have to work? Because you he knows mankind. And we are all about working for something to get something, performing to get something that we need. It's been going on ever since Adam, 6,000 years of people working to get to something. And God says this, as God rested because everything was complete, now that Jesus came... Everything foreshadowed him, his death, burial, and resurrection. Now everything is complete. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. He said, now you enter into my rest, which means this. Everything spiritually that you would ever need is complete, and you do not have to work for it. You need to believe and enter into that rest. I know we don't have a full revelation of this. But healing is a done deal. Your needs being met are a done deal. Everything that God is, the fruit of the Spirit, peace, joy, uh, happiness, faithfulness, gentleness, patience, it's a done deal. It's inside of you. And then God says, if you enter into this rest, You'll see that manifested on a daily basis. That's good news. Rest. I don't know about you, but man, I have, there's been times in my walk with God that I have strove. strove? Is that the right word? (laughs) Didn't sound right. But anyway, I was going to say strive and I knew that in the past tense. But anyway, I've worked really hard. I worked really hard to, you know, to to get a hold of God. And I worked really hard to try to, I just want to draw closer to you. And I worked really hard if I was going through some kind of sickness. I need to get healed. And and I worked really hard to get my needs met if I was struggling financially. And I was just striving and all this. and, And you know what? Anything that you struggle with, you don't have a revelation of it. Jesus said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's because we are not resting in the complete, the completeness of what Jesus has done for you and me. You can't get more. Do you realize this is a phenomenal statement? You will never be more righteous than you are today. You get to heaven. You're not going to be, whoo, I feel more holy up here. <laughs> the angel's going to go go, say what? No, you're, you're not more holy because you go to heaven. You're not, not going to be more righteous when you go to heaven. People think they're just going to be a better spiritual being when they get to heaven. You know, and that's why I talked for a month about the heart. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. The spiritual man is perfect before God, but it's our heart that is not understanding and believing the right things. If your heart and my heart would say, I believe this. You know what? I got this this week. This is my opinion. Do you understand it's my opinion? So I can't give you a scripture for it. But I believe your spiritual man speaks to you. God I can say this, 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So you and God are one on the inside. So when I say my spiritual man, it's the same as saying God is speaking because we are one on the inside. And I believe God speaks to us every day. I felt like the Lord said that to me this week. He says, Mike, I speak to you every day, but your heart is the one that's keeping you from hearing it. He said, "Every day, listen to me. Every day, I say you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Every day, I say to you this, to you, Mike, you're the head and not the de- tail. Every day, I say whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Every day, I say you're 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 just a the, the a great person created in my image. Every day, I'm speaking the goodness of God to you. Every and people, all of God's people, they say, I just wish I could hear from God. It's like." You got your fingers in your ear, and he's talking to you every single day. He's talking great things. All of the promises of God are yes and amen. He's speaking to you and me every single day of our life. And he's telling you how he created you and what he, he knows about you. And you and me will walk along and go, I'm just a, I'm just a worm. I'm just a what. Worm, you know, I just, I can't do anything right. I just do that. Every time you and I have that and your heart believes that, you're stopping the voice of God speaking through your heart to say, you're the head and not the tail. This is so good, it'll help you. The word is medicine into our flesh. Some of you need the O-D. There's a place that Jesus says you can be at and not strive. Rest. It's called a place of rest. It's the same as a Sabbath. Sabbath is rest. Sabbath means it's a completed deal. It's done. Hebrews 4.10, for he who has entered into his rest has... Himself also ceased from his works as God did. We need to cease from our work to trying to be more righteous, more holy, more perfect before God. God Jesus himself said, you need to cease from your own works. The Passion Translation says this, this is not the time to pull away. Hebrews 10, 25. I'm sorry. Need to tell you that. The Passion Translation. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Now I'm going to tell you the flip side of that. The law says you have to go to church. We are not under the law, so you do not have to go to church. Some people watching this, when they go, don't have to go to church anymore. Hallelujah. I've been meaning to take some Sabbaths off. So, you know, Paul, when he taught grace, he said this. He taught it in such a profound way that people asked him, so can we keep sinning then? It's okay to keep sinning. He goes, "No, you missed it. And so if you think that I'm saying, no, matter of fact, we're closing the church. This is the last year, and we're going to be closed from here on out. We're done with church. No. I'm going to give you the flip side of this. Hebrews 10.25 says, man, I'm telling you, as the day approaches, you need to make sure that you gather yourself together. The New King James Version says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as it is a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So why do we come to church? Is it to fill out your religious square? Make you feel fuzzy after you leave church? You feel better about yourself? That's the wrong reason to come to church. But why do we come to church? Well, obviously, there's some obvious things, and that is we come together to worship God, together as a community, as a family. We also come to learn, to learn about the word, to learn about the things of God. But I've meditated upon this a lot. Why go to church? Why go to church? Hebrews 10.24 says this, Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as as expressions of love. Hebrews ten twenty-five says, Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Hebrews ten twenty-four says encourage ways to show the love of God. And so then he says to not to forsake yourself together. My point is this. First of all, let me read it in a different translation. The Amplified. Hebrews 10, 24, The Amplified. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble Activities. First of all, he says, you come together in church, and it should stimulate or encourage one another to love. That's the number one thing. So you come together, assemble yourselves together to show love. But then he goes on, the second thing is uh, to encourage one another to find out how people are doing. And he says, we need each other. Just coming together as a church family, it promotes love. And I'll even say this. When you start coming to church on a regular basis, it causes you to find purpose. The world, I mean, everybody, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? Granted, I'm not going to talk about all the jobs and careers that you can attend or become, you know, from the pulpit. But I do know this, God can do that while I'm talking about you're free from the Sabbath and he can talk to you about purpose in your life. I believe it's important to come because you'll find purpose, you'll find identity, who you are. And then I do, I I felt like the Lord told me this this week. There's things you get from church that you don't even know you got it. It's kind of like eating a, a, a nice, healthy meal. I've said this so many times. I've used this illustration. You know, my body, I, my brain doesn't think, oh, that vitamin A was so good. I just, I just swallowed that vitamin A. Whoa, it was good. Whoa, touched me right down in here. <laughs> no, you don't know. I don't know. Well, if you do, you may be a little weird. But, I mean, most people don't. You don't know all the good things you get from me. But do you, go, do you quit eating it <coughs> because of that? Of course, you don't. My wife drives a car, she has no idea. Oh, okay, let's just be real. I drive my truck and I have no idea really how it works. But I get the benefit from it. You get things from church that you have no clue. I have no clue what we are getting. That's the point that I'm trying to make. You and I get stuff and you don't even know. There's stuff that you need. There's stuff that you need, and you don't even know it, but you got, it got deposited inside of you when you came to church. We get stuff that we don't even know. Church is his body. Paul said the church is the body of Christ. So, for example, my toe. Have you ever just, your toes are so insignificant, unless you're a woman, then you paint them and look at them and, Everybody thinks they're pretty. But but basically, most people think that toes are insignificant until you break one or stub it or really hurt it really bad. I've broken a toe. Have you ever broken a toe? Did you know, you know, when you break a toe, your walk is now not the same? You're not going to go on a hike. You're not going to even walk far. When I broke my toe, I didn't want to walk at all. So listen to me. Your toes are very significant in getting you to your destination. Think about this now. You know, I'm so insignificant in the church, the body of Christ, I'm probably just a baby toe on the foot. I've broken my baby toe on my foot. When I broke it, I found out how valuable my toe was and is. My point is this. Listen to me now. When you come to church, people can help you without you or me even realize it, making sure you get to your destination, whatever that may be. Maybe... As far as getting you to your designation, they're praying for you about some sickness you may be going through. You need to get healed to get to your destination, do you not? My fingers, they're not just to attach to my hand and to to be able just to operate from my hand. If you ever broke, I mean, I, I was playing softball years ago on the church softball team, and I broke my hand. All of a sudden, there's so many things you cannot do. If you're trying to button your shirt with one, I mean, you just feel like, man, I'm the most uncoordinated person on the planet. I can't even button my, you can't do it. I need two hands to do that. To tie your shoe. You ever try to tie your shoe with one hand? I mean, you may be gifted, but let's see how far you go with that. You need both hands to do all kinds of things. Comb your hair. You need, your, you need both hands to do so many things. The body of Christ, Paul said, is it, it, just like your body. We need one another. I'm not going to sit there and go, well, if you have to do away with something, what would it be? Your fingers, your toes, or this? And you go, I'm not going to do away with anything. I want all my parts. My point is this. Every person who is born again, is valuable to all of us. We need one another. Church is valuable. Church is so valuable, and to be honest, I I try not to get political here, but I believe that's why there's such a stirring on this planet to try to shut the church down. And I'll say this. I mean, we're praying for Afghanistan. I know things are terrible things are happening over there, but the Lord just... I mean, he just shared with me the church is alive and well over there, and it is well taken care of. You say, yeah, people are dying. I've heard a story where people, some of the Christians over there, they said, we are not going to hide. We are going to house to house, just like the Taliban's going house to house to, to murder people. We are going house to house to tell people about Jesus and the church is flourishing. They said, matter of fact, right now, statistics show that Afghanistan has the greatest growth of the church on the planet. Amen. Woo! It's kind of like the devil takes his shot and God says, Is that the best you can do? I'm gonna trump that and I'm gonna take something much greater and bigger than you ever dreamed that you could. You can't, the devil can't outdo God. Badness cannot outdo God. That's why the Bible says where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. People are worried about and saying, oh man, those terrible things are happening over there, the Taliban and everything, the sin's going on. It's just, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Really? Jesus gave his blood for this planet. It ain't going to hell in a handbasket. Where sin does abound, you're going to see the grace of God not just barely rise above sin. It's going to be far greater, and the world's going to know the goodness of Almighty God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, for those who think that, well, church isn't really that important, hopefully you, you understand this. Just I didn't give you this scripture, Luke 4, 16. Luke 4, 16, any version, New King James. Jesus went to church. When he came, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been raised. I don't know it by heart, Chelsea, just so you know. (laughs) The passion. When he came to Nazareth where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did. As he always did. When Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures. That, so that's my point. One translation says, as was his custom, he always went to the synagogue every week. Jesus, basically, Jesus went to church every week. Not to fill out his religious square so he would have acceptance from God as Father. <laughs> that was sarcasm, by the way. No, he went to church because he was going to speak to the scriptures. He was going to speak life to people. He was going to help people. He was going to do everything. There was one Sabbath he went there. You remember that? Uh, somebody's hand was all shriveled up, and everybody, all of the religious people said, is he going to work? Is he going to do a work? Is he going to do a miracle? Because you know you're not supposed to do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, he looked at everybody. He knew what they were thinking. And he said, stretch forth your hand. And he got healed. And they were all offended. Can you believe that? Or offended? You've worked on the Sabbath. And he said, If you all have a sheep or a goat or something, cow fall into a pit on a Sabbath, you're going to get him out. You don't want him to die. Isn't she much more valuable than that? He said, The Sabbath is for the man. The, the, the man is not for the Sabbath. So we get the cart before the horse. The church is obviously valuable and important because Jesus went there every Sunday. So, I'm just trying to get people to be balanced in this. Did you understand what I just spoke on today? Does it make sense? You're not going to get weird on me, are you? All right. I will say this. I didn't get into it, but, you know, if you're going to keep the law, it says in James chapter 2, he says if you keep the law, you have to keep all of the law. If you break one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it. There's over 600 and something laws in the Jewish tradition. Did you know on the Sabbath they couldn't even pick up sticks to start a fire to cook? One guy did that in Leviticus, and uh, they took him out and stoned him and killed him. Anybody going to cook today? Do we need to bring rocks to your house? Are you hearing me? No, I'm glad we can cook today, aren't you? But under the law, you could. not <laughs> Some of the women, you go, no, not really. Yeah, man, just. <laughs> I'm just saying that, and one uh, law of the Sabbath was you can't, leave your home so coming to church today you broke the Sabbath you can't leave your home I'm just saying you know we'll talk more about the law I'm getting out there but in next month but I just want to make sure that you're free When the sun sets free is free indeed but I don't want you to take a, a look and grab hold of grace and just flush it down the toilet and saying, well, I can do anything I want because I have the grace of God. You don't understand grace at all. Are you hearing me? If you think that it's okay to sin, you don't understand grace. If you feel like I never have to go to church again, you don't understand grace. My job is to try to teach you to get a hold of grace that you're free, but not that you just Basically, act stupid with it and just say, Well, it doesn't matter. You don't understand grace if that's your attitude. Let's stand. Hallelujah. A shadow of things to come. There are so many things that happened in the Old Testament. In the old covenant that points to the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Sabbath being one of them. God wants us to enter into his rest, to know that it's completely finished. 2 Peter 1.3, everything that you need for life and for godliness It's been accomplished and been provided for you and me. It's a journey we're on to get a revelation of this. It's a journey we're on to know what's inside of us. It's a journey that we're on to understand that Jesus, the same Jesus that walked this earth, all of his power and all that he is, is dwelling on the inside of you and me today. Wow. That's a great, great revelation truth that may be hard for us to wrap our hands around it, but it's a journey. Paul said, I keep pressing to the center of that, to what I know who I am and who I believe in, and it's Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for you. Today, Father, I just believe. That the truth of the goodness of God, the truth of the grace of God, that we would see it for what it really is, our eyes to be open to that truth, be open to the grace, to be open to the goodness of God. Father, we embrace, and our desire is for all of us to enter into the rest, rest, to rest in you, Father. That is our desire, is to rest in you, to know that Jesus truly is our Savior, and He did it for us. May our eyes be open to that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.